0: Write that, write that down for me Saito, write that down for me Saito.
1: To write that Plane, I'm your host Justin Nipper. I'm editor at FightGameMedia.com, staff writer at WrestlingObserver.com, and F4WOnline.com. Um, apologies for the uh, unusual background noise today. I'm I had to go back to New York for some family stuff. I'm en route back to California. I'm at the San Francisco Airport right now, and to get the show to you on time, I have to record this in a uh, United Airlines lobby. So that's where I am, and that's what the noise is if you hear it. Uh otherwise, yes, I'm back with a uh, leading author, historian, editor, broadcast journalist, Oracle professional wrestling in Japan, rasu Mr. Fumisaito. Uh today we'll kick off uh our first part of our next major profile legacy series, which look fo- excuse me, which focuses on Shohei Baba, known widely around the world as Giant Baba, okay? In this dense, dense first episode, we first talked about Baba's experience growing up in Niigata Prefecture in Japan, famous for skiing and lots of snow. And we talked about the onset of his acromegaly in uh, early, like, fifth grade, fourth, fifth grade. Um, later on, we went over how he and Motoko Baba met. Um, Motoko would become his wife until he died, and she also um, would become... A co-promoter, pretty much, of uh, All Japan Pro Wrestling, Um, playing the bad cop role to Baba's good cop. But um, don't worry, we will get very deeply into that later on. Um, After pitching for the yumi Giants for five years, or five seasons rather, um, Baba would become one of Rikidozon's first kind of disciples, alongside Inoki, the younger Inoki, for uh, JWA. And a... Baba would become Ricky Dozan's golden ace and soon sent him over to the Great Togo, hook up with the Great Togo to work all over the U.S. and Canada regularly in the early 60s. Uh, we also talked about Baba taking on the legs of Buddy Rogers, Bruno Sammartino, Luthez, Classy Freddy Blassie, and uh, we talked about Baba the barefoot heel in New York, Baba the Giant, who'd go on to work, 16 consecutive Madison Square Garden shows back in the day. We also talked about his uh, important relationship with Fred Atkins in Toronto towards the end. So that's a lot. We haven't really started yet, so strap in. If you have questions or comments, hit us up via Twitter. I'm at Justin M. Nipper, K-N-I-P-P-R on Twitter, and Fumi is at Fumihiko Dio on Twitter. Without further ado, let's get into part one of... Shohei Giant Baba. We finished with Inoki last week. and We're going to start with Giant Baba today. So I was thinking where to start. I wanted to ask you, I wanted to ask, when did Shohei Baba start becoming a giant? Like, when did he start getting really large? Uh, Yeah, just like
0: Antonio Inoki, Giant Baba's career or his life's been pretty well documented you know mm-hmm. books and books have been written and he had his own autobiographies more than one and uh, books and books have been written on giant baba in general and uh, yeah his life it's been pretty well documented and uh in his own book he said that he started growing big when he was fourth grade fifth grade okay so you know, so means like a 10 or 11 right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and okay he was born in 1938 january 23rd january 23rd 1938 before i forget you know you know uh, who you know people who watch a uh, preview of this episode you know your background is really interesting that's right you know? we share the
1: same birthday giant baba and i uh he was not 1930 i was not born in 1938 but um we do share january 23rd one two three
0: right. okay three that's good that's good yeah so he was born in 1938 mm-hmm. and so for younger listeners out there it's like 1938 sounds ancient you know but uh yeah, so uh, there so was, was a child war. of World War II. Yeah, well, the war was over in 1945, so he would have been still what seven, eight. Yeah, hmm. yeah, years old, and he he grew up in 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 the countryside of Niigata, and so the bomb w- wasn't hit or anything like that. <clears> mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: Niigata is a kind of a, a mountainous area. It's famous for skiing.
0: Yeah, snows, yeah, and all that, yeah. And grew up as an athlete, naturally, and uh, he played baseball and basketball, and he ran, uh, but the, he couldn't find his shoes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, later on, that uh, big size 16, big boot was, you know, his early finish in wrestling, but in Japan, it was like a jurokumon in japanese you know like scale of it but uh, actually it was size 16 american shoes mm-hmm. size 16 is really big huh that's that's gigantic yeah but yeah naturally he couldn't find shoes that'll fit mm-hmm. as a kid and he almost gave up on any athletics you know because there's no you know tennis shoes or sneakers that are that you know that he can fit but uh uh, upon ninth grade or so that uh, this somebody uh, is a baseball kind of almost a legend but uh, his baseball coach ordered the special shoes for him so he could play baseball hmm. and you know how big high school baseball is in japan it's um i would compare it to i guess like college football or
1: college basketball in the states it's it's, right, it's right. a national, it's especially the big game the in Osaka. Yeah. What's, Koshien, uh, right. Co- yeah, it's massive. Ma- people right. crying and uh yeah, it's just so it's maybe yeah, is well, it uh, the biggest event, the sporting event of the year usually in Japan? In
0: high school level, yes. Or the sum every summer, like a like a summer story, every summer, new star is born to be drafted right. into professional baseball the following year or something. You know?
1: Like uh, Mr. Otani, who is playing in the States now.
0: Right, oh, everybody, Ichiro, Matsui, mm-hmm. all these people, yeah, played high school baseball. Anyhow, he was a baseball player and a pitcher. Mm-hmm. And uh, he entered 1954, one of those high school championships, but he didn't make it to the Osaka Koshien, but uh, he was a uh, 11th grade high school pitcher ace pitcher when he was just 16 okay and he didn't make it to the final so he didn't go to the koshien you know that the national championship but that the, the giant scout came to him See, baseball, nbp all right nippon professional baseball league didn't start the draft until 1965 And when Baba was in high school, there was no such thing as draft, okay? Mm -hmm. So the Giants, uh, to make a long story short, the Giant Scout came over to Baba's house and signed him when he was just 16, before his 17th birthday, 11th grade. He didn't even finish high school all the way to 12th grade. He went went straight to Giants camp the following year, 1955 right when he turned to 70, turned 17. So, yeah, he was very promising baseball pitcher. Just He was just as tall then. And he was signed by Giants. Giants is like a New York Yankees, right? Mm. He's like the biggest baseball, professional baseball team in Japan. So he was like a sports elite. elite. Mm. And he was signed and played five seasons with Giants, pitcher. 1955, 56, 57, 56, 59. Yes, five seasons he played. But he didn't play really all that well. He only played three major games in all of seven innings. And the batter, 26 batters, and all these these, baseball statistics is such that his record... Is still in the NBP record official record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, to this day. But uh, for five seasons he played uh, for Giants, but he was cut at the end of 1959 season and went into Taiyo Wales spring camp. Taiyo Wales uh, is Yokohama Bay stars now. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so uh, he went into Wales. <laughs> Wales is such a name for a baseball team. Huh?
1: Not what you think of when you think of baseball, but yeah, like, hey. Yeah, with the Hiroshima
0: carp. <laughs> yeah, the, the carp, uh, but the carp is uh, the, the fish. Yeah. It's that's Yeah, re- or the, oh, the, the Habara Tokyo Yakult swallows.
1: <laughs> <laughs> kind of cute. But those have yeah. like a, a more significance. Like the carps, that's what I always see uh, in Japan. It's called Boys Day when they... Uh, Like hang the right? Right, yeah, it's nylon carbs. So, in the context of Japan, I think it makes more sense. But if you don't know any of that, it just seems kind of random to announce, yeah.
0: So, it's not at least Cardinals, anything like that, you
1: know? Right, right. I mean, (laughs) Cardinals uh, isn't really anything, uh, right, right, neither here
0: nor there. Oh, the Dodgers, the the, there's so many. I mean, the baseball is unique. Naming and this is his own culture. Anyhow, after Bob Young, Baba, twenty-one-year-old Giant Baba was cut from you know Giants after five seasons, he was you know he was traded to, the Tayo Wales in the spring camp of 1959. After the season, that's when he had this bathroom accident. He tripped, and cut his left arm. Um, uh, elbow you know and they cut the major early or something and uh, the the legend says he hurt his right arm or right hand therefore he couldn't pitch anymore but uh, of, uh, as an official record baba himself talks about it in his autobiography but it was left um left elbow he got cut in, in the, the cut the major early. Uh, See, the legend says the right arm was hurt. Therefore, he couldn't pitch anymore. He gave up baseball. But in the official account, that the, his left elbow was the one that hurt, okay? And the reason he had to give up the baseball was that because he cut the major arteries and nerves on his left elbow, his middle finger and uh, and the ring finger was bent permanently. And he couldn't hold the baseball gloves anymore. Ah, okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
1: So it so, wasn't exactly about pitching, but it did affect his career. Yeah, yeah. It just right. wasn't officially accurate when it came out, right? It wasn't Yeah, the right but arm. story
0: always, a lot of the stories say he hurt his right arm, therefore he couldn't pitch anymore and he gave up baseball altogether. It was left elbow who, who got permanently damaged. So that's the, the to correct the legend, but the Baba talks about it in his autobiography. But the age 21 and turned 22 uh, in 1960. That that uh, this is a, a how he became professional wrestler. That this, including some legends. That there are a few different version of stories how he became professional wrestler. One account that uh, previous year uh, that he already had met Ricky Dozen and Ricky Dozen told him come to wrestling right mm-hmm. another story there's a newspaper journalist that uh had you know worked as a middleman that had Baba young Baba and Ricky Dozan meet someplace in Tokyo and had a meeting to become a wrestler in his autobiography, spring of 1960, he went to Ricky Dozen's Nippon Dojo to meet him all, you know, on his own. But uh, when he went to Ricky Dozen's wrestling dojo, Ricky Dozen wasn't there because he ha- he was touring six, he, was, he had this uh, uh, six week tour in Brazil. Where he met young 17-year-old Antonio Inoki and discovered him. But uh, in the meantime, Ricky Dozan, um, I mean Jan Baba, Shohei Baba on his own, went to Ricky Dozan's dojo to just you know to see their practice and workout and all these things and meet with Jan uh to uh, meet with Ricky Dozan. But Ricky Dozan wasn't there because of this tour in Brazil. So he went home. So that wasn't the day. But in April 11th, it's an official date in record, okay? April 11th, in 1960, with this big press conference, uh, Ricky Dozen came back from, you know, six week Brazil tour. He introduced two giant rookies, one Shohei Baba, former baseball player, one 17 year old um, trucks, you know, that uh, discuss uh, or uh, that uh, Shapur star in, in Brazil, uh, Kanji Inoki, 17 year old, Two rookie were introduced together uh, at this press conference. So the story already started that day. Mm-hmm.
1: Are you following me? And they're kind of like the the sons or the princes of Rikidozan, Dozan, who's the king at the time.
0: Yeah, but uh, I think Ricky Dozan looked at was looking at Baba as a golden rookie mm. you can make money with. Whereas Antonio Inoki, seventeen year old relatively unknown kid, and also was introduced as Nisei. Okay, Brazilian born Japanese descent. Mm-hmm. This Second kid generation. You know, he was born in Japan and born and raised in Japan. And he, you know, with his family, migrated to Brazil to start a coffee farm or something. And in age 14, 15, 17, for three years, he was just there. But well, spoke Portuguese, of course. But uh, Inoki. Right from the beginning, he was introduced as, he's half Brazilian and half Japanese. And this guy, this kid doesn't speak Japanese. So he wasn't even allowed to speak Japanese in front of the public. Mm. That's like a mysterious beginning, you know, like almost a fiction, fictitious (laughs) story to start with. But whereas Giant Baba was introduced to press, as this guy, uh, probably many of you know, he's a former Yomiuri Giants baseball player. and He was a giant pitcher. He's gonna start and, that was April 11th of 1960. And same day those Baba and Inoki were introduced to, to public. Then September 30th of same year, both Baba and Antonio, uh, not Antonio Inoki yet, uh, Kanji Inoki and Shohei Baba, they both debuted the same day at the Taito Taikan, uh the Tokyo Spa Show, they call it Spa Show. Then, I mean, any shows with, without TV, they used to call it Spa Show or uh, the live event or whatever, that uh, they debuted. But the uh, video footage doesn't exist, okay? Oh, of course, the Rookie, debut match. Inoki lost to Kintaro Oki, um, well-known as uh, Kintaro Oki, but he was from Korea. His real name is Kim Il. He beat Inoki, 17-year-old Inoki with his arm lock, whereas Jan, uh, the Shohei Baba beat... Uh, Katsurahama or Yonetaro Tanaka With his Pretty much just the one-sided Like in here You know, like uh, Almost like a TV match from your America 80s America match that the Baba Beat some, I mean You know, washed up veteran So easily that he makes good debut I, Yeah, you, I, yeah So yeah, you so
1: with he, me? He, Baba came in Um with a, sort of a, an advantage I mean, they, uh, they weren't the same age. Well, They were similar Ages, he was a little Five,
0: you know, five years, always five years Older, but, Baba uh, being 22 And Inoki 17 But Baba also had the experience Performing
1: and, and playing Sports in front of people yeah. and... What's
0: similar was that that uh, Baba was already a professional athlete When he was 17, as a baseball Player mm-hmm. And had five seasons already, and he was already 22. See, when you was 22, and when
1: you're 17, there's a big difference in five years. Japanese listeners, Downcast nara no platform the fight game media network oko to do ku itarakeruto tataios Hi everyone if you haven't already please if you can subscribe to the Fight Game Media Network feed on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Downcast, wherever you get your podcast, subscribe. It really helps us out. It's all you got to do. And if you're really feeling frisky, go over to fight, uh, patreon.com backslash fightgamemedia. So you have the entire archive of all of our episodes. Write that down, plus all the archives of all of our other awesome shows that we've been putting out for a year right now. So, okay, quick plug back to the show. Yeah, so we were talking about. Baba and Inoki and the age difference between them and how it kind of uh, colored the relationship between the two.
0: Right from the beginning. Yeah, mm-hmm. five-year difference. 22-year-old Shohei Baba and 17-year-old kan- Kanji Inoki then. Mm. So Inoki was the one who was looking at Baba like, this guy is going to be my rival. Mm-hmm. Whereas Baba didn't really look at Inoki as like, like, he didn't really be too conscious about it. mm he just gave up his five-year professional baseball or Giants career and uh, wanted to choose wrestling because he his parent or uh, mother came to Tokyo and then asked him to go back to Niigata to do his uh, vegetable you know, farm in the market. Mm-hmm. And the uh, 22-year-old Baba was, uh, wasn't about to go home then. Right. And also, uh, he writes that uh, on his... Uh, biography that he's just too ambitious that and also going back to hometown like you go home like a failure right mm, yeah and then also with his size you know well he um so, so much like under the giant story that that uh, on under on the giant side that the people pretty much openly talk about Aglomeria that you know he, he had this body you know physical condition to grow mm-hmm. so big you know, generically, and Baba's part—that ha- part hasn't been really emphasized. But obviously, being that big, right, and uh, you know, all these legend and, and come with it that the, the shoes doesn't fit, or he never found clothes that fits, or that he was the biggest boy, always biggest, you know, biggest boy in in town or school, or just being looked at, and the being big became his somewhat complex, right? Right. Yeah.
1: It's because every day uh, he has to deal with all this stuff that other people don't have to deal
0: with. Um, yeah. And then uh, get in a train or mm-hmm. get on the bus or go to a regular room or eat anything. Yeah. Anything. Mm-hmm. Or he's being looked at or become a very famous boy in his hometown, right? Shopping for clothes. Oh, uh, overseas. Right. Right. Yeah. or well, before that, I mean, as a kid, even as a kid or a yeah. teenage oh. or going to baseball five seasons but he didn't really really make it as a big huge baseball superstar you know but he was pretty much semi-famous you know being so tall and big and the giants pitcher a giant kid pitching for giants you know and uh the movie company approached him in the meantime to become an actor hmm. and uh yeah and also he had he had his other dreams to be working for a publishing company that he'll become a book writer or book editor or something. And also had another dream of becoming a travel agent. You know what I'm saying? So but he H-A-S? had a few... <laughs> Not that, but in the late fifties into 1960s, traveling overseas on the airplane was like, a, I mean, it's just a big deal, right? Right. It was uh, yeah, it's a, there's so
1: much work to do so it had to be its own um standalone industry
0: yeah yeah and then he had his yes uh, other dream of becoming a travel agent in in run run the company and such and all these things he was too young and too ambitious to go go back to niigata mm. and that that is why that I kind of believe that uh, one of the theories that uh, sometimes at the end of 1959 or the early 1960s that Ricky Dozan approached him, why don't you, rest- you need to be a wrestler, right? Mm-hmm. And but this is like I don't know why, but there's always been quite a few different theories as to how he became professional wrestler. That Ricky Dawson and Bob must have met uh, to get sure. the idea. Yeah. And there's always news, you know, journalist story that the, this famous sport writer a- approached both Baba and Ricky Dozen to make this happen. And once, one account, Jan Baba's own autobiography, is insisting that he went to Ricky Dozen's dojo in spring of 1960 on his own. So mm-hmm. that, yeah maybe Giant Baba and this sport journalist have falling out. I don't know. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because a lot of people want to take credit who discovered Giant Baba. I'm sure. Yeah. So the myth kind of remains. But all in all, April 11th uh, of 1960 at Ricky Dozen's dojo, young 22-year-old Shohei Baba and young 17-year-old Kanji Noki were both introduced as rookies. Mm-hmm. And got picture taken That photo still exists to this day And both Jan, uh, Not Jan Baba I should say Shohei Baba And Young Kanji Inoki Both debuted the same day September 30th Yeah, September 30th Of 1960 That was their first match And their last match Inoki's last match April 1998 Baba's last match December 1998 So they had the same length of wrestling career active wrestling career too is that interesting? amazing yeah it's oh god i yeah. can't
1: think of any other situation in pro wrestling where it's that where these They're two parallels. are so connected i mean even to the day
0: yeah, yeah yeah and then one style of wrestling so we in japanese wrestling industry we always had baba school of professional wrestling inoki school of professional wrestling they conducted business so differently not because they're rival, but the philosophies are different, mm, you know. The philosophy, and, yeah. Yeah, and the way they looked at America, as you know, of course, the mecca, or that uh, that uh, you, anything to do with professional wrestling, you have to have strong connection with America, right? Mm. Yeah, because it's a it, uh, it, uh, sport entertainment uh, genre, business that came to Japan after the war. And Ricky Dozan was post-war, you know, Japanese national hero, and also the very first television hero. Yeah, and, you know. Uh,
1: actually, we should mention the day we're recording this. It's a couple of days past, but it's it was a pro wrestling day in Japan. The first the Rikidozan's match with uh, the Sharp Brothers. Uh, Sharp
0: Brothers. Yeah, yeah. Rikidozan and Masahiko Kimura mm-hmm. against Sharp Brothers. Interestingly enough, that the Japanese professional wrestling started was tag team match mm. instead of a single competition. When you think about important single match, I mean important wrestling match, you are always single match, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a title match, right? Or the big superstar against big superstar. But uh, interestingly enough, Je- in Japanese public, professional wrestling was introduced as tag team match, mm. and the concept of somebody jobbing, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, King of Judo. Then uh, Masahiko Kimura was the one taking fall. And same 1954, the same year. Okay, wrestling day was that, that uh, a couple of days ago, yes. We still have that in calendar. It was beginning of Japanese pro wrestling, professional wrestling, and also basically beginning of television culture. Mm. It's always been the killer content of television. Television made wrestling famous and fame uh, professional wrestling made television famous. Mm. Yeah, like a lot of people bought that TV, first TV set so they can watch wrestling. But a lot, of, a lot like 1950s, 1948, 1950s, Gorgeous Joji, right? Mm. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, 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 again, it parallels. Yeah. Now I have a question for you. For I, I want yeah? to ask
1: at around this time when Baba was getting started, and like you were saying in the earlier, in 54 and onwards, TV was growing so quickly. It was getting so popular with everyone and, and with wrestling as well. Was Baba a fan? Was he a
0: fan of pro wrestling at the time or was he just coming uh, in? As he, a, yeah. I'm sure he watched it, you know, mm-hmm. but he was so focused when you were 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, that you are already a baseball, uh, that the uh, Giants pitcher, right? Mm. That uh, I'm sure he watched wrestling But never really thought Him becoming one Mm -hmm. You know Mm -hmm. And yeah I have to point out When he was 17 The first you know spring camp uh, 1957 then probably That was the spring Baseball training spring camp Where Shohei Baba met Motoko Okay. 17-year-old Shohei Baba and 15-year-old Motoko already met during the spring, spring camp in Akashi, Kobe. That's Motoko's hometown. Mm-hmm. Her parents were friends with, you know, rich parents were friends with baseball players. They, you know, the baseball player came to, you know, their house to eat or something. And rookie... Jan baba was among those baseball players who came to motoko's parents house to sit down and eat so mm. th- there was a connection and baba's first impression you know already motoko made a handmade slipper for 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 shohei baba because he's ah. yeah was famous that his feet are so big that no shoes would fit and walking, you know, you you've been to Japan that you take off your shoes when you come into Japanese home. It's a even bigger issue. It's not. I mean, it, of course,
1: everywhere we <laughs> take off our shoes, but it's um, it's it's everyday life. You you you're in not, Japan you take you take your shoes off. You hundred percent. It's muscle memory. You you shouldn't even be thinking about it. Those shoes should be off as soon as they're in the door <laughs> because it's going to be a big in big Japan. deal
0: if it's not. Yeah. Yeah, because you step up. It's not on the same level. You know, you, go, you step up into your somebody's house. You know, it's like about a foot high, right? Higher. Mm-hmm. And inter- entrance. And Jan, Jan and I keep saying Jan, but it's a Shohei Baba, young 17-year-old Jan, uh, Shohei Baba. You take his shoes off and then walk into Motoko's parents' house, right? Mm-hmm. And then that was when they met. 17-year-old Shohei Baba and 15-year-old Motoko. And Motoko prepared her handmade slipper for Shohei. He's like a reverse Cinderella. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but they um, they kept in touch, but uh, they didn't become couple for another couple, three, four years. But I'll get to that, okay? Mm. Yeah anyhow the but baba's career starts okay in in, in 1960 and summer of 1961 only one year later he was sent to america already wow that's pretty quick yeah yeah so when you say you know most of the american wrestling fans even know that uh that the, what do you call that that the send up and send, send young you know promising you know tomorrow's star to abroad when you go
1: on an excursion excursion learning learning excursion Mm -hmm.
0: but it wasn't like that for baba's case he was booked by great togo in california he already made plan to have him headline all over america rookie though but uh, he was not there to you know, learn or, or or pick up the trade, or, you know, he was booked as like a star wrestler already then. He didn't go to America all by himself. He had uh, that uh, Yukio Suzuki, another rookie, Ma- Mammoth Suzuki and Yoshino Sato with him, but they went to different, you know, se- separate paths. But uh, Shohei Baba, or I should say, Baba the Giant, you know, in New York. He was booked and managed by Great Togo. Great Togo, you know, like a big, big time heel from California, you know, your stereotype Japanese post war heel, smiling and bowing and salt throwing and sneak attacking the Pearl Harbor kind of heel. I mean, like a typical, stereotypical Japanese heel, right? But he acted as a manager. He looked at Baba and saw so money, right? Mm. So, so he yeah he's Baba the Giants booking was handled much like under the giant 10 fifteen years later it wouldn't be booked in one territory but you travel from territory to territory you headline cards yeah
1: so great togo was he an American was
0: he, he yeah he's an American second so, generation okay yeah. so so he's His probably, parents he's... yeah he spoke His English and... From, of course, of course. He's mm. an American citizen. Great Togo's parents came from Okayama, Japan. They migrated.
1: Ah, from Kansai, the
0: Kansai area. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, from like 1920s or something, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah but um, there was an experience, you know, President Biden just talked about just the other day, there was a concentration camp during the war, right? Right if you looked like Japanese, you'd be in camp, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, there was a a product of wartime. Yeah, product of wartime. Great Togo's parents and himself experienced that. Mm -hmm. Because you look like Japanese, you know? And you are carrying Japanese culture. But Great Togo himself was born and raised in America. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: And uh, so at this time, so like you said, he wasn't uh, being brought... Baba that is He wasn't being right. brought in To learn how to become a star He was brought in to get over Because he was already He already had a bit of experience as an athlete
0: He was a yeah, giant one, And also also one year experience as a wrestler in Japan Right, yeah. right And he was like marketable enough To be booked all over different territories Sure, everyone loves a giant Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was that That uh, he actually toured America. Before there was such thing as WWE, or I should say Worldwide Wrestling Federation, WWWF. WWF, WWWF wouldn't start until 1963, you know, mm-hmm. Bruno San Martino against Buddy Rogers, right? Mm-hmm. But he was touring New York area before WWWF was there. But the Promoter was Vince McMahon Sr. I should say Vincent James McMahon, father of today's Vince McMahon. So he wasn't involved with the NWA initially. Then uh, NWA was like in uh, alliance, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, different territory uh, had a membership of NWA. NWA was an entity of, but like uh, clusters of a whole bunch of you know, local or regional promoters, you know, that, that you, you become member of NWA, therefore you share world heavyweight champion, like Luthes, you know, or Buddy Rajas, Parakana, you know, they traveled territory, one territory to another territory to defend their world heavyweight title. I'll get to that. Mm. But the uh, giant Baba toward, you know, the New York, Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Philadelphia, East Coast area where the, before WWWF, of course, before WWE, that uh, uh, they were running much like WWWF will become, okay, Vince McMahon Senior's territory. And they were running monthly extravaganza at Madison Square Garden by yeah, run by Vince Senior at the time. Does that make sense? Vince so, Sr. Hmm. started out as Washington, D.C.'s promoter. That's why his first company was called Capital Wrestling Promotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, he was also a promoter of Madison Square Garden. There was like a historically see like back in like in 1870s, you know, into 19, 1900 to 1910s and 1920s different promoters ran Madison Square Garden. By then, 1950s, it was Vince McMahon, senior. Yeah. yeah. So um, uh, what's interesting is though <clears throat> that uh, John, uh, Shohei Baba, <clears throat> before, oh, like uh, in a few weeks, he would become Baba the Giant. He would get, you know, uh, uh, he would arrive in America July 1st of 1961. Okay. The day before that, June 30th, Buddy Rogers, Nature Boy Buddy Rogers, beat Pat O'Connor to become NWA World Heavyweight Champion at Comiskey Park in Chicago. So while Giant Baba was traveling, you know, making his first tour, Buddy Rogers was World Champion. Okay. And young Baba the Giant had eight title match against Buddy Rogers all over America.
1: Wow. Right, out, uh, like two years into his career.
0: He was already headlining America, yeah. Hmm. And uh, it sometimes it's really hard to. De- it's not baseball, it's not NFL football, so it's like, it all it's all up to uh, his. You know, like a private historians. You know that how they find these wrestling results. You know, and there were wrestling historians in, in America that, that, who did all kinds of research that how Jan Baba traveled. You know and uh there was like a eight title match between giant baba and body rogers between year 61 into 62. now
1: yeah for the most part what were the types of finishes that they were doing with these Um,
0: body Rogers going over
1: yeah uh clean or was it like uh like um did he oh that is so
0: hard to yeah it's like i cannot i couldn't find the detailed results you know but mm-hmm. uh, there's a like a whole bunch of the, the historians you know that the legendary wrestling historians that came way before us <laughs> mm. you know they there are people who you know did all the newspaper clipping collections and uh, made their own results and uh, records and all these things i respect that but it's so hard to find detailed finish on this account you know but uh Seemingly, there were eight title matches between Body Rogers and Giant, uh, Baba the Giant that year, 61 into 62. In New York area, um, so see uh, Baba the Giant or Shohei Baba, uh, he spent one year in four months period in mainland America, you know, until that means uh, like uh, spring of 1962 then september of yeah september of 61 to sometime spring of 1962 one year and four months period baba the giant traveled all over the place and also in between he, john this is a record baba the, baba the giant worked 16 consecutive months at madison square garden wow see now that uh, see, today's you know wwe landscape madison square garden once a month big show isn't much of a big deal right now it's i think once a year maybe or twice a year yeah right right but the uh, w- w- all the way till like 1980s you know the once a month uh, madison square garden thing was a huge deal you know mm-hmm. it was like a premier red carpet of introducing a new title match Bruno San Martino against somebody or Pedro Morales or somebody, all the way to Bob Backen era, right? Mm -hmm. That uh, you have new challenger and then challenge first match, probably challenger go over and count out finish. In second, you know, meeting at the Madison Square Garden, usually um, either double count out or or the no contest, no finish finish. And the third month, the, the Babyface champion, if it's... San Martino or Pedro Morales or Bob Backlund, for that matter, the third meeting, they settled the score. They were doing that formula uh, for a long time. And Madison Square Garden match was your premier, you know, then the same matchup, same card, whether it's Um, I don't know, the Bob Backlund against Dom Rock or somebody that you uh, start from Madison Square Garden and you go into Baltimore, the Washington, D.C. or Philadelphia or Maryland, you know, they basically run the same match around the Horn in the East Coast area. Mm -hmm. And Baba wore 16 consecutive Madison Square Garden match in close to main event status. That's a big
1: deal. I mean, like you said, it, the MSG shows where if you were in the East Coast in New York, that's where you go to see the big stars. That's where all the, yeah, uh, that's yeah, where everything right. was happening on the East Coast. And for him uh, to yeah. 16 in a row, that's that's quite a lot, for especially for 16 somebody. 16 months bowling. in a
0: row, yeah. 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 14 months in a row, whether it's, <clears throat> he had single match against people like Antonino Rocca, mm-hmm. young Bruno Sammartino before he was WWF champion. Um, big baby face, Boba Brazil, mm. or somebody like Edouard Carpentier. Another or giant. Or Killer Kowalski. Yeah. Ah, so
1: Gene Konewski? Did
0: he have No, Killer, 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 Killer Kowalski. Killer Kowalski, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. G- Baba later on had program against Gene Konisky, yes. So Baba always had the superstar single match lineup.
1: Already oh. the second year in. What were the, was the reception at MSG for the most part? Were it, was people uh, supporting oh, him? Obviously, was, I
0: wasn't there. Well, but, I mean, uh,
1: uh, in general, when you read about it, was he perceived like a heel? Was he like a baby face? Heel, giant, like heel. Oh, he heel. was a heel. Yeah,
0: he yeah. was a heel, Japanese. Okay. Well, I think uh, all through 60s to 70s, even way into 80s, Japanese wrestler meant heel right away. Right, right. Right off the bat. And he, he was a giant heel at that. And if you have great Togo, somebody like great Togo in, in your corner, of course you're here. Sure, sure. Yeah. Or the single match against Luthes, yeah, you're here. Of, in, in New York, especially. I mean, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. So Baba the Giant had single match program against real superstar, Antonino Rocca, right? And Italian hero, Bruno San Martino, African hero, Boba Brazil. French Canadian hero Edouard Carpentier, oh, Kirakowski, it sounds like heel, but uh, they had single matches too. So mm. those were like uh, existing superstars, right? At the time. So Giant Baba all, all, never had first match position. See, he
1: kind of each. came in with an advantage compared with Inoki, you could say. Yeah,
0: like under uh, the giant before there was under the giant. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And When you looked at you know '80s and '90s Baba's videos, it didn't look as much athletic. (laughs) But uh, you have to imagine, yeah, 23, 24 year old Jan Baba, young Jan Baba, very athletic. Mm -hmm. And uh, some um, black and white film exists. Things like uh, Baba the Giant against people like Hans Schmidt, German heel. So that version of baba must be babyface huh must be so been really hard yeah. to yeah it's so really hard to see that either baba was labeled as heel or or babyface probably mm. depends on where he went because between these east coast tours he every couple three months he had this um chicago international amphitheater uh big match lineup too another wrestling capital of america at the time mm, yeah chicago yeah international amphitheater and also oh uh, montreal was huge wrestling market mm. and also the uh columbus ohio and detroit you know the detroit olympia uh, the building doesn't exist anymore but the, those are the stop uh, big huge event big match you know stop that the Jan baba was making Probably only worked big shows, huh? Seems like it. Seems like he was
1: uh, he came in and he was more or less a, a headline or, or or like an
0: upper card
1: guy. And
0: yeah, it, and it seems the, big stars like the time. NWA promoters shared Baba's marketability or something. You know that uh, you know much like later on, Under the Giant, that you travel. From one territory to another, and the Baba the Giant come in, that's your big show. Mm. Yeah. And and uh, so the title that the body, for instance, Baba, Body Rogers title match took place in like p- places like Philadelphia, Ohio, Baltimore, in different places. It could be same match, right? Sure. I mean, yeah. today's understanding of this business, and that there was, I mean, no internet or not even the facts that the news traveled very slow then i mean not just wrestling but everything so it didn't come off like it was the same match every night it was fresh and right and also cable tv such as cable tv thing wouldn't come out until 1980s and traditionally main event wrestling was never televised there around that time period right You have to go to the building to watch that extravaganza. It was very
1: special, more special than,
0: uh, I mean, yeah, going to live, live event. Yeah. And also from, from, uh, from Baba's book, it looks like he drove all over the place instead of flying.
1: Right. Yeah. We were talking about that earlier. He (laughs) didn't fly. He was, uh, he, he traveled around the States in a, in on his Lincoln Continental. Yeah. Lincoln Continental, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but so was the original Chic, or people like, you know, Dick the Bruiser or is the old-fashioned wrestler promoters. They all drove all over the country. Hmm. All the way to people like Harley Race. Well, later, you know, early Harley Race, of course, traveled on the plane, first class. But old-fashioned wrestler always drove across the country yeah it was the style that was the way yeah because there was a uh that in in one of the <clears throat> baba's essay there was a time after madison square garden match he got on his car and drove down to florida oh my gosh how long right <clears throat> it's got to be at least 10 12 hours or a day and
1: half at least yeah mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's but pretty that's adventurous like
0: the, we have to romanticize that—that uh, that, uh, in the early sixties, into seventies, you know, more people drove across the country, and you make stop at motels or you eat at restaurant, and you just drive endless miles on this, you know, nothing f- but freeways. That's very America. Mm. Mm-hmm. Route sixty six. I guess, yeah, yeah. So Baba lived that. You know period of time And became very international minded Person And also he must have learned The language then Sure
1: yeah Yeah. I'm sure he had to have
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: um, You know this was probably his He didn't like you said earlier he didn't go to University after high school he didn't even finish High school but this was kind of like his College education you could say
0: Yeah and studying abroad huh? Mm, Exactly And learning business too and also learned his mannerism and his um, dignified way of doing business, like what ha- like a handshake meant between wrestlers. Did, uh, did Bob... Oh, yeah.
1: So go ahead. Go- oh, I was going to ask, did Baba have any, uh, as time went on, as he kept going to the States, did he have any types of mentor in america or anybody that worked i'll get with him? to that yeah oh, okay
0: i'll get to that <clears throat> after one year and four months in uh in in <clears throat> east coast area and also midwest area including places like chicago and detroit and all that uh ohio he had three months period in la los angeles before he went you know, came back to japan for the first time it was wwa in Los Angeles, Juice Strombos WWA. A lot of people say it's a World Wrestling Association or Alliance, and some logo says Worldwide Wrestling Associates, but we always call it WWA. It's like a spin off of Luthers' belt. In 1957, uh, there was a NWA split, right? That in Chicago, Edward Carpentier beat Luthers. And in Chicago and Montreal, Edouard Carpentier was recognized as World Heavyweight Champion. In the other territory, NWA territory, Luthers kept traveling as a champion, okay? Mm. And Luthers dropped the belt in Boston to Kowalski another World Heavyweight Championship was you know, created. <clears throat> in LA, in 1961, I believe, uh, he uh luthes dropped the title to freddie blasi therefore WWE was created and he is that uh, it's just different language you know lineage of world heavyweight title wherever luthes went he went into territory as world heavyweight champion or international heavyweight champion whether it's nwa or not when luthes comes in he is world heavyweight champion are you with me mm and therefore yeah therefore wwa was created in west coast and it was a pretty big territory you know that uh, actually ricky Dawson pretty much affiliated with california right all through his career See, the st louis missouri or madison square garden new york city was too far almost too far away in 1960s most of the american superstars in that period came from california or hawaii
1: was that or, the belt is that the belt that ricky dozon brought back or, or he shot with the press the wwwa belt that kind of thinned yeah yeah one? the
0: beating pretty Blassie, and he yeah there was a uh, the 1962 program ricky dozon went to la olympic auditorium and the beat freddie Blassie to become champion and brought the title back and Freddie Blassie came to Japan and the title defense was made, and Ricky Dozen defended the title. And following month, uh, Ricky Dozen went back to the States and another matchup Freddie Blassie against Ricky Dozen at the Olympic Auditorium. Bloods in a stoppage, and the referee called the match. Therefore, they uh, that uh, uh, the title was back to Freddie Blassie and Ricky Dozen didn't really lose clean in the middle of the match, uh, middle of the ring, one, two, three, but lost the title. There was a program. But the WWA was World Heavyweight title in Japan for you know for a period of time. The, the N- name NWA was never mentioned. Although 1957 in the middle of a controversy, Luthes came to Japan for the first time and they had the Luthes against Ricky Dozen match. World did not mention NWA, but World heavyweight title match at the Korakan Stadium, '97. But uh, back to this WWA thing that uh, Baba spent three four months in spring of 1962 and had a program against uh, Freddie Blassi and Dick Buyer Destroyer. At the time, WWA World title was always you know that uh, going back and forth between Freddie Blassi and the De- Destroyer. Hmm. Yeah. And the the Baba challenge destroyers WBA title in Los Angeles, the Bakers the uh, San Diego, and whatnot, It's California, you know, territory, then came back to Japan. So he first trip, first trip was like one month and eight months. He never came back for almost two-year period. Then made debut back As Giant Baba officially Mm -hmm. No Shohei Baba from that point on 1963
1: So only A few years into his career this is where He made that that big uh, transformation When he came back
0: Yeah uh, March 17th 1963 to be Exact that uh, The 5th annual World League tour you know the spring You know singles Tournament tradition now it's, you know, champion carnival in all Japan, right? Mm-hmm. But it's the same idea. Every spring... Oh, IWGP tournament, for that matter. Yeah. Every spring, there was uh, the big, huge, single tournament called World League uh, Championship Tournament. And that was a fifth annual uh, that Baba came back as a big star. Ricky Dosen's still there, though, okay? So he came in and had, uh, you know, this... There was... Uh, oh, at the Haneda Airport, before Naira Airport, okay? There was a big press conference that uh, Ricky Dozan welcoming Giant Baba's in return and announcing that that, uh, announcing that the Giant Baba will be participating in the fifth annual World League tournament, right? And there was one year in eight months period, <clears throat> it was announced Giant Baba had 502 matches with, against people like Barry Rogers Antonino Rocca the Bruno San Martino the Kerala Kowalski the Bobo Brazil the Haystack Hes- Calhoun all these things and only lost five matches fiction <laughs> mm-hmm. you know much like Ricky Dozens return you know years ago that the, yeah Ricky Dozan had 260 matches and only lost to Leon Amelini and Tom Rice and Fred Atkins that's it and all the older tag team my partner lost something like that so Baba, more oh, for that matter, Ricky Dawson announced that this giant Baba had 502 matches and only lost handful matches. He's a big, huge superstar. And, uh, and with my research, uh, this one year in eight months period, I think ba- uh, Baba only had about 390 matches instead of 502 matches. <laughs> but that's a trivia thing. You know, and uh, I don't know if my research is accurate enough. You know, but uh, all in all, Jan Baba had this golden tour in America for one month, uh, one year, in the eight months period, and always headlined, always headlined. And years later, Inoki went to what the L- L.A., Oregon, Tennessee, and and in Kansas a little bit, Houston a little bit, but never really headlined, right? And it wasn't the big uh, territory like Madison Square Garden or Montreal. Or, see, Baba traveled big territories, whereas Inoki, you know, went in wherever they would take him, you know? And he wasn't main eventing these shows either. He was more of like... <clears throat> at the time, right, right. You know? And Baba always headlined. And also, I think that this first one year in eight-month period he really started st- studying how to run wrestling show, right? hmm Okay. As a promoter, as a booker, or how to make connection, personal connection with headliners, you know? And how important handshakes are when you don't have written contracts like today's business.
1: So 1963 was also the year that Ricky Dozan passed away. Yeah, I'll get to that.
0: Uh, Baba stayed about six months and in and, and the fall, uh, I think October of, or November of this 1963, he went back to another long tour to America. How long was that? That was maybe uh, six months again? Uh, s- s- seven, eight months. Yeah. Okay. Until spring of... 64, right, right. <clears throat> he went to Ontario, Canada this time. That's his that's who his home base was, Ontario, Canada. And he stayed with his mentor, Fred Atkins. Fred Atkins. Yeah. Fred Atkins was actually uh, not on record, but uh, I believe he, Fred Atkins was, Really, really close uh, with Ricky Dozan. I see. Yeah, in uh, Ricky Dozan's touring photos with Great Togo and other people, in you know, like in American, you know, like a photos we see now, Fred Atkinson in the picture already. I oh, mean, okay. for some reason, yeah. So uh, he acted as Baba's manager and also was coach of Baba. Hmm. And baba did not you know wasn't staying hotel uh this second trip back to america or well, canada this time but ontario canada baba was staying with fred atkins at his cabin in in lake ontario hmm. pretty different yeah. lifestyle from tokyo huh right right but uh, he was like fred atkins was a big time coach you know they make you work like a football coach you know oh, okay yeah, yeah. That, I mean, Baba was an athlete, big athlete.
1: Yeah. I mean, the people. Yeah, of course, we can go on Google or YouTube, and you can see he 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 was in great shape for his uh, his size and. It, mm-hmm. uh, oh yeah, the, the
0: sixes match. I mean, he moved well. You know? sure. Yeah. I mean, people have this strong Baba's, you know, like this, you know, video image of 80s into 90s, like, like being old, but never retired kind of thing. And also having like a six man tag team situation every night, almost comic. Yeah, Yeah, right. Because it was Baba's philosophy, professional wrestlers don't retire. You know what I'm saying? You're Mm. the icon. Right. You will be in front of the audience. Whereas Antonio Inoki, even aged Antonio Inoki, had to headline until the end. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, it's a different philosophy to that. Yeah. Now Back to this Fred Atkins. Kind of useless trivia, but Fred Atkins trained Taiga Singh and late 70s Adrian Adonis. Hmm.
1: Interesting, huh? Those are all pretty, I mean, pretty important figures in wrestling. Oh, in professional
0: wrestling. Yeah, yep, yep. And Freddie Atkins, you know, never had wrestling school like you you have now. You know, wrestling school, you sign up and what, pay $2,000 or something, and you come in like, you know, kind of like you just kind of learn, right? Sure. Old-fashioned professional wrestler never had those wrestling school or didn't even take trainees unless you're like recognized as somebody or somebody promising. Ricky Dozen basically asked Fred Atkins to take Baba and train him again, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was December of 1963. Baba was already in Ontario, Canada. Like I, like we said, news traveled so slow, right? Right. That The, the news of Ricky Dozen passing came from fred atkins three days later oh. somebody from japan got the news and uh, told great togo right and great togo called fred, fred atkins and he, baba got the news from fred atkins so young what the 25 year old baba will have to you know sit down and think should i go home now or should i stay hmm. right and Great Togo told Jan Baba at the time it was said that uh, don't go back to Japan. Wrestling business will die. After, you know, with Rikidozan pass. I mean, Rick Dozen passing. There's not, I mean, the landscape will, will be different. That the wrestling will probably won't be around to any. You know, too long. With, without without Dozen, wrestling business in Japan will die. Stay in Japan. I'm mean, stay in America. That's what Great Togo told told Baba. And I think at the time, Great Togo promised Jan Baba NWA World Heavyweight Champion run, and he wanted to become manager. Mm-hmm. You know that the NWA World Heavyweight Champion was like almost like an election between hmm. NWA promoters. Who they will choose, you know, choose to become your world heavyweight champion. Therefore, all the local territory within America can share that world heavyweight champion, right? Mm. And share that purse too. Yeah. Local territory like Georgia, Florida, the Pensacola, the, the North, you know, Northern South Carolina, the Tennessee, all these places did not have world heavyweight champions. NWA World Heavyweight Champion will come to you maybe a couple, three times a year. And when the NWA World Heavyweight Champion comes to your town, that's all big extravaganza, right? Mm. And I think at the time, NWA had the proposal that let's make Baba the Giant your traveling world champion. And Great Togo wanted to have a big slice of cake to slice a pie too, right? Mm, Of course. And yeah, and told Giant Baba to stay in America. Stay in America. You know, or make you N.W. World Champion. You know, you have at least one year run as a champion. Hmm. So, if Baba took that and 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 you know became N.W. World Heavyweight Champion, if that, right? Uh, that's all big what if. But the, he would have one year or so run as N.W. World Heavyweight Champion in America. But he didn't take that. And he asked Fred Atkins. I think Jan Baba at the time trusted Fred Atkins over great togo hmm. yeah and fred atkins apparently said he told baba stay here and think
1: <laughs> you know? sure
0: yeah okay. yeah but uh yeah he kept traveling and you know fr- from ontario canada he tr- still traveled into states you know just like the last time that they worked New York, Ohio the Philadelphia, the Baltimore the Boston, the Detroit all these you know the the northeast, midwest territory as headliner then then, uh, upon his return upon his return he challenged three different world heavyweight championship champions who were they? Uh, wwf world champion bruno san martino Mm -hmm. nwa world champion luthes and wwa world champion freddie blassie three different title match at three different territories
1: three very different wrestlers too
0: oh yeah i guess so yeah 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 but stars big stars in uh, the prior you know to that that the First, during the first traveling uh, to the States and spent one year and eight months period, he had a title match against Nature Boy Body Rogers, right? Mm-hmm. That news never got to Japan hmm. because Ricky Dozen at the time told the Japanese press to not to report it. What because, was the reason for that? Yeah. Because Ricky Dozen himself and Freddie Blassie was having WWE World Championship program. I see. Interesting, okay. huh? Yeah. That's like already political, you know? Yeah. And the, that's why Buddy Rogers' name is not as big as he, he should be in Japan. And also, uh, the, the nature boy Buddy Rogers and, and Antonino Rocca was two superstars, American superstars, that never came to Japan. That's right. Yeah. 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 See, Freddie Blassie, Edward Carpentier, Luthes, Bruno Sammartino, they all came to Japan. Mm. But it was before the, the before the, the this exchange of this big time business and rest, you know American wrestler traveling back and forth time. it was before that. Antonino Rocca, Argentine Rocca, was superstar in East Coast area. Never went to Japan. Nature Boy Barry Rogers, one of the su- biggest superstar of the time, right? Mm. Never came to Japan. Mm. Yeah. But uh, upon second return. Second time return. Baba had a title match. At Madison Square Garden again. Uh, I believe it was a February of 1964. New WWF world champion, Bruno San Martino. Uh, the title match was curfew ending, I think. <laughs> Interesting, <laughs> huh? Yeah. Curfew is that at the time, I think it was well into 70s though, that the, it, the show had to stop at 11 o'clock at night. Okay, there was curfew carfew so the therefore match ends there so this is like kind of like a very convenient non, non-finish finish huh yeah 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 but uh, baba had that title match against bruno sammartino in new york city and o- 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 olympia in detroit i believe uh the, the name of the building is olympia that uh, the against baba title match baba didn't win and then an olympic auditorium uh, Freddie Blassie against Baba WWA World Title match. Not once, but the, they did that. The San Diego, Bakersfield, you know, the, the all kinds that the California area too. Yeah, but all the, up and down California, because that was the territory. Mm-hmm. But the most important thing was that that uh, Baba challenging all three different major leagues world championship upon his return was a big deal. So this was, what, 64,
1: 65 now? 64.
0: 64. So he... Spring spring of 64, he came back to Japan for good.
1: Yeah, to stay. So he kind of just went from being a rookie to a couple of years later, he was one, arguably one of the biggest in the world, biggest stars
0: in the world. Yeah. In the industry, yeah. Baba chose not to go home right away when he heard the news of Ricky Dozen passing. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, Inoki was was Ricky Dozen when he, you know, when he passed. I see. Yeah. But the Baba was already traveling in America and heard the news that uh, all kinds of news, right? Like Ricky Dozen passing, but there ain't going to be any wrestling in Japan anymore. Stay in America, you know, that uh, why don't you get a green card and stay in America forever? Mm-hmm. Or, That he should go back to Japan and probably call it quit and open the travel agent or something. That was another (laughs) idea Baba had. Wow. Wow. Imagine that. Yeah, that too. And also, but he had to come back to Japan the following spring to see what it's like. Because Japan Nippon Pro Wrestling, JWA, after Rikidozan, was run by four wrestlers. Yoshinosato, Michiaki Yoshimura, Kokichi Endo, and Toyonobori. Mm-hmm. Four guys, like a cartet. that they were the four wrestlers. All Rikidozan protégé, But the, after Rikidozan passing, those four guys were running the company. But they were making just as much money. That's what thing was start going wrong, though. You know what I'm saying? Uh yeah. First, Toyonobori get. It kicked out of the company and mm-hmm. following year that Toyonobori recruits returning Antonio Inoki and hijacked him in Hawaii to start Tokyo Pro Wrestling. Remember? Mm-hmm. Yes. <clears throat> Baba, author in 64, start headlining, you know, that the Baba and Toyonobori as a tag team champion, Asian tag team champion, and also in year 1965, they revived international heavyweight title. Which Ricky Dozen held until his passing, that they revived <clears> the <throat> international heavyweight title and had a tournament, and naturally Baba became the champion.
1: So he international came back heavyweight, yeah, and he he started to uh, you know yeah,
0: not the office or promotion or the company side of the business, but he was the ace, you know, that the sole headliner superstar of Japan pro wrestling, Nippon pro wrestling. I believe he was pretty much happy period for wrestler Baba, huh? Because being international champion and uh, Friday night, eight o'clock headliner, you know, primetime wrestling, and now international champion and also a television star. And he was in all kinds of TV, not just wrestling TV, but he was in TV commercial, game show, variety show. You know, Japan is like a variety show of heaven, huh? Sure. I mean, yeah, I mean real stupid, you know, the, the networks, sh- you know, primetime show
1: they have. Yeah, late night, kind of like a Saturday Night Live. You know, there's
0: comedy. And yeah, and... or the Jeopardy quiz show type of thing. Sure. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he
1: must have he, been like in the you could say it's the prime of his uh, in ring career.
0: Yeah, and plus 1967 and 1968, WW then WWF world champion bruno san martino then nwa world champion gene koniski they two years in a row they came over to have single match against giant baba but summer neither san martino or gene koniski defending their wwf title or nwa title they challenged baba's international heavyweight champion so they made it like you know for the for japanese audience Baba was a champion defending title, his title against these American superstar. instead of Baba challenging WWF title or NWA title. Mm. Does that make
1: sense? And it probably gave a lot of legitimacy to Baba <clears throat> and uh, who he was bringing into the crowd in Japan.
0: And also made the International Heavyweight Championship equal to those American Major League titles. Hmm. I guess this yeah. is what you were
1: talking about with the saying. Uh, Baba represented the establishment, the already uh, established uh, status quo of wrestling in the world, wrestling in North America, and uh, Baba was connected to that. He was an international. Uh, he was an international traveler. The the yeah, would be travel he agent. He
0: holds the Ricky Dozen's international heavyweight title as uh, rightful that uh he
1: yeah he inherited yeah. it from uh from the ricky dozan who passed and again i'm sure yeah. that helped the right rightful choice
0: of a superstar mm-hmm.
1: and that organic yeah. kind of uh passing of the torch and natural baby face in the ring yeah. yeah when you we were talking about it earlier Bob with the giant as a heel it's really you know it's hard for me to look at him as a heel because he uh he doesn't look like a mean person ever. He's just big. Uh, he, he just, he does yeah, but have 1963 that.
0: 1963 uh, version of Baba the Giant in America, barefooted.
1: Right. Chops. You yeah. sent me a picture with it. He was wearing uh, just the trunks and no shoes. No, uh, no boots. Yeah. And they
0: walk around New York city with kimono. <laughs> mm, <wow. laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so uh, yeah. Superstar. But in early sixties, In wrestling ring In stereotype mentality Right Japanese wrestlers were heels
1: So you didn't have to do as much uh,
0: With your personality It was just Well he didn't have to work dirty Yeah
1: Right right Yeah But that's when
0: That's when he learned the business Baby Mm -hmm. face and heels Ethnic heroes like Bruno San Martino He was also friends with Young Pedro Morales Mm -hmm. That is another myth That the Pedro Morales was the one who taught Jan Baba how to drop kick. Yeah, that was Good from the story, comic huh? books, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But there's another couple of different theories. So you know, it was comic book, and there's another story. There's a karate man from you know in, in LA karate dojo, not a wrestler, but this man taught Jan Baba how to do the drop kick. And there's just quite a few different stories. <laughs> a lot of you know, a lot of different people want to take credit. He's almost kind of like a uh,
1: like a a legend, like a, a in in the state, like a folk hero. Like in the states, we have Paul Bunyan. Crack, yeah.
0: Paul Bunyan. Yeah, yeah. modern day Paul Bunyan. Right. Because a lot of people want to take credit. I did this for Baba. I did that for Baba. Right. Mm-hmm. And Baba was very humble, quiet person that he just sat and never really denied it or said yes to it either. And it's like, well, it's all up to you, right? Mm. But he operated Wrestling business like that His interview was always Like sport interview mm-hmm. You know now Today's wrestling wrestlers interview You know, I want to win People might laugh, right? Sure, yeah <laughs>
1: but, but it's the style it, that's uh, developed over the years There's a kind of like a template um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's the pro wrestling style interview Whereas I guess you are saying that This is more of like it's like you would watch it after a baseball game or a soccer game.
0: Yeah, yeah. But the Baba was that he's like a quiet king, gentleman kind of, th- you know, superstar. And then if you watch Friday night, you know, Channel 4, JWA Nippon Pro Wrestling show, the Baba will have this all year long, Baba against Bruno San Martino, the Bru- Baba against Gene Konisky, the Baba against Bruiser, the Baba against Bru- the Crusher. The, uh, you, you have all, all these top-notch American superstars, one after another, coming in, challenge Baba's international heavyweight title, and Baba wins. Mm. I mean, Me- very late 16 to early 70s formula, right? Much uh, like Bruno San Martino. When format. did...
1: When did Baba start uh, wrestling uh, the more maniacal wrestling heels like Abdullah the Butcher or, um, you know, uh, was that 70s. later on? Uh, 70s, okay. 70s, so,
0: 70s. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so,
1: well, I okay, mean, we 60. can we can start talking, you know, next week we're going to have to talk about the, the 70s run because, I, you okay. know. Okay, let's end
0: with this one. April of 1967, Mm. April of 1967, now star, Antonio Inoki returns to JWA after Tokyo Pro Wrestling went down. That was the year BI Platoon was created, Mm -hmm. Giant Baba and Antonio Inoki tag team. Soon enough, Inoki and Baba, BI Platoon, so Baba obviously above, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, BI Platoon becomes international tag team champion for next five-year period. Like a mega team. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, oh, we are got to wrap up around here now, huh?
1: But yeah, let's wrap it up here and we'll, next time we'll pick it up from the late 60s with BI Platoon and then uh more work uh, with, you know, and two NWA network stations, yeah, two
0: network stations start carrying JWA wrestling and Baba only appears on channel 4 and Inoki appears on both channel 4 and channel 10. But that made Inoki a single superstar too. And back there wrestling fans mind who is actually better, Inoki or Baba? Hmm. And pretty soon, New Japan and Old Japan.
1: Yeah, I, I'm sure next week we'll have to really start talking about NTV and the, and this also the war between. Yeah. Two different stations. Yeah. Kind of its own rivalry in itself, too. And and the wrestlers were part of it. Yeah, and
0: then the old farts from JWA promoters that double dipping, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: All right, well let's wrap it up so that and that was uh, that's just part 1. We have a lot more to go so don't worry. Uh yeah, I'll do that. Uh, okay, so let's see you next week for Fumi. me what can we say? Uh so long from Tokyo. All right.